Welcome to the first episode of our fourth season of What's Up ABQ. When you hear the word United, what comes to your mind? United States? United Airlines? How about New Mexico United? For most people around here, it brings up a pretty hot subject that is contrary to the team name, dividing Albuquerque. So what about that stadium? New Mexico United is a party to it, and we are going to be a party. And if Borellis doesn't want it, and we will work with them to make it happen. Sure. It really needs to be the city and the neighborhood coming together. Today, Ryan and Lindsay talked to Pete Travasani, president, CEO, and part owner of the team. And regardless of what side of the fence you're on in regards to the stadium vote, you won't want to miss this interview. It's What's Up ABQ. What's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And this is Season 4 of What's Up, ABQ. Usually I do that. <laughs> What's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And today on our podcast, we have... Pete Trebisani. What's up, Ryan? What's up, Lindsay? Hey, I gotta say, it's awesome to have you back on. You were on season one after <laughs> we had no mic, and the audio was what it was. I hope we've made some <laughs> progress since then. I'm really hoping that the recording quality is a little better this time around. A, so. That was my rookie year, too, so uh, okay. we'll just all chalk all right. it up to... Trial and error. Right, right, we're right. all learning together. So we are here, uh, obviously, at New Mexico United's headquarters. We wanted to kind of sit down and have a conversation with you about what's in the air. <laughs> I think, you know, November 2nd is coming up and a lot of people have a lot of questions about the stadium or the pending stadium, depending on the vote. Um, and so we kind of wanted to ask a few questions, kind of get some clarification on a few topics and just sort of get your perspective on a few things, if that's cool. That sounds good. I'll do my best. Okay. Um, so I guess my first question was kind of just, uh, I wanted you to explain your thought process for both of the potential sites that you've discussed uh, publicly so far and um, why those sites? And is there a possibility for maybe a third if those two don't pan out? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I think just taking a tiny step back, you know, just to kind of framework what we're talking about. The stadium, I think sometimes it gets seen as United Stadium. And yes, we will be we'll rent it like you would a house or an apartment or or a building. But it's the city's stadium in the end. Uh, ultimately, they're going to be a huge driver of, of where it goes. And so the city conducted a survey, you know, a site survey. We were not a part of that. I mean, we were uh, interviewed to give some input, but, you know, 99% of that work got done by the city. And they came out with four sites, two they call preferred sites, which I think you're referring to, and then two other sites. Also with the acknowledgement that those were just four sites that could work, but there there certainly could be more. And so that's kind of the backdrop. Now, I personally have been advocating for site like a downtown site for the simple reason of this is that I would like to see whatever we do in New Mexico to have an exponential benefit. So if we just put a stadium in the middle of nowhere and people drive to the stadium and they drive home, 
that's fine. That can right. work. I mean, that's kind of what's UNM and isotopes. But how do we actually have it be a catalyst for others around and have it be an agent of positive change? And so that was the idea. And it's downtown has a lot of small businesses, a lot of minority owned businesses. I think that uh, I live downtown. I have an apartment downtown and um, and I've seen them. And while some of the boards are coming down, others aren't. And, and these are businesses that are based on people's lifetime savings. So that was the intention. And I think it came from a good place. Clearly, there is some concern, worry, fear, and it's all justified. It's all it's all right to, to go through that. So sure. so if it ends up being that it's not downtown, then that's OK. It won't go anywhere that it's not wanted. And um, and we'll just figure out a different spot. This is one of the questions that Lindsay had to Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I'm going to put you on the bus right, right now before I go into I'm used it. To it. So <laughs> I kind of have two two parts on that. I, I have I have Lindsay's prepared question, <laughs> and then I have my own kind of spin. So she has quote unquote here the G word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then it's I'm a loaded sure, word. I think I'm we all sure know that go it go go. Right. And, and go I'm team. sure that you've had to talk about it a lot with all of this, but like. Gentrification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What's your response to people that are concerned about, you know, this, you know, and, and in that relation to, to gentrification? Yeah, I think, look, I think um, the G word gentrification, it's a tough topic and it needs to be brought up. You know, I'm a middle aged white male. And so that I'm not I'm the last person that really could empathize with gentrification. Right. Um, I try, but it's not it. But I just that's where I am. I can't help that. So, you know, what I would just say to that is um, in this particular issue, I mean, obviously, gentrification has been happening all over mm -hmm. Albuquerque, all over the country, yeah. all over the world um, at a steady clip, depending on where you are. But let's go right back to our home here. And one of the things that was super important to me personally was that there's a collective a community benefits agreement, rather a CBA that's attached to the bond. And so I believe it's if it's not the first, it's at one of the first times that a CBA a benefits agreement has been attached to a bond before it goes to vote. To really simplify that, all that means is that if the, the neighborhood that it's going to go in, wherever that is, has to agree that they want it. And in, in exchange for agreeing to have it there, understanding it may bring some negative impact, there will be pieces in that agreement that will help to stem that and be a catalyst. Now, every neighborhood is a little bit different. So what the specifics are in that agreement are going to change depending on what neighborhood sure. it is in. But I would just say I, if, if I'm not from Borellis, for example, so I would leave it to Borellis to come forward and say, these are the things that we can do to help stem gentrification and make sure that we preserve the, the nature of the neighborhood should we move forward with, with the stadium. Um, and then we can help. And so I think that's probably for me, I think, I think that's a really good, honest step. We're, I'm open to others. We're open to others. And again, if Borellis doesn't want it, then it won't go there. Sure. So if you have an organization like say, and I'm just throwing one out here because it's the one that comes to mind, like HomeWise in Borellis that comes and, you know, they take houses that are falling apart and they flip them and make them livable again. Is that a type of an organization where you guys would feel comfortable saying, hey, let's work on this together to make something work for the entire community? Or is that something that would be handled in a different way? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really good question. And I think it brings up 
a bit of trickiness to it, which is who speaks for the community? Right. You yeah. know, I speak for United because uh, I'm a shareholder and I work here and et cetera. I mean, it's very easy that I, I have a position of authority here. It's, there's other, you know, the mayor speaks for the city, I guess, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But who exactly speaks for a neighborhood and how are you defining that neighborhood? Uh, there's community associations, which I think have some kind of legal status. There's entities like HomeWise that are stakeholders. So I think the thing to do in those cases is you just bring everybody together, sure. right? And give everybody a voice and hopefully the community comes together in some kind of unified voice. But I, I again, I would say that, you know, if 60% wanted it and 40 didn't, I'd probably say, let's just not put it there. You know, I don't think it should be 50 plus a vote. I mean, if it's that traumatic and there's that much concern, let's move on. There's other places to put the stadium. Uh, if you can get a solid consensus and a plan that feels like it works, it's never going to work for a hundred percent of people. Sure, just, sure. Yeah, but if we can get does. it close, that's great. I'd also just say for any neighborhood, you know, development has been happening and will continue to happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, the stadium is one form. It's got pros and cons. You know, if it's not the stadium, I mean, there is a lot of empty land over in some of these sites that we're looking at. So eventually something is going to come. It's just a matter of how much control the community can have and, and, and the voice they have. So it seems like, you know, when we talk about the G word and how it affects different things, in my mind, what it's really talking about is change. Yeah. You know? Um, so I was thinking, you grew up on the East Coast, right? I did. I was raised in the Boston area. Okay. Yes. Have you been back lately? Has it changed? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I uh, look, I think that sometimes you get nostalgic um, yeah, sure. and uh, my grandfather used to have an old sports bar right next to the Boston Garden, probably a gambling bar. Now that I'm a little older, <laughs> I look back because uh, they didn't have very many sports TVs in the 70s <laughs> right. in black and white. Uh, so everybody would gather. Uh, it was smoky and there were a lot of drinks. They used to yeah. bust tables there. It's gone, you know, and there's probably a Papa John's in its place. Hmm. You know, I get nostalgic about that. But. I also look at, for example, two areas in Boston. It's a good example. In the 70s, where the Boston Garden is, which is sort of called the North End, and then Fenway Park, Kenmore Square, they were very you know, beat up areas and they weren't the safest areas. And you went to the game and you went to the train and you kind of you got out of there. And they have been built up over the years and they certainly feel safer. Now, if I'm a resident of the North End, have I been pushed out? I, I haven't really looked into it deep enough to understand mm -hmm. those tension points, but it has changed over the last 30 or 40 years and change is going to happen. It's just a matter of, you know, how is it processed and how does it try to benefit many, not just benefit one? Sure. Sure. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I was actually thinking this morning, I, I moved, for the listeners that don't know this, um, I moved to Portland for six months and then I moved back. And it is definitely a changed city from when I grew up there. Even in the last five years, it's a different city than, than when I was there last time. When I was a kid, Portland was only slightly bigger than Albuquerque. However, we did have a soccer stadium for the Timbers. And there were a lot of people that were really upset about it. Really upset. Now, going back there... I was lucky enough to be able to go to like one or two Timbers games during COVID. And it was incredible to see the community kind of mm -hmm. rally around that. It's been kind of this 
local gem that's sort of grown with the city a little bit. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of Portlanders now have taken a lot of ownership over. Yes. So that's really positive. I realize that's not the case for every city, but um, I did want to talk to you about your examples. Have you guys looked into examples of other cities where this has worked and become a positive catalyst for the community? Yeah, I mean, I think Portland's a great example, and they also have a women's team up there, which mm-hmm. is something that we want to do as soon as we have a facility. Which I'm really excited about. Finally. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know. I am, too. Um, I think it's important. We our, our city is supposed to be growing. Our city is supposed to be improving. I'm not going to define what that means. You know, I know that means something differently from everybody else. doesn't mean everybody gets richer. It's just It just means that we're we're becoming a better version of ourselves. That's how I I think about it. Mm -hmm. And so to say, hey, you know, we need a facility for a men's team, for a women's team, and we can attract more things here. I think that's that's great. I mean, just around here, you look at El Paso. They built a downtown baseball stadium. That whole area, a lot of times these places go into areas that, you know, do have some issues. And then this becomes an anchor that things are uh, for improvement. And when you look at Colorado Springs, they just they just built an eight thousand square foot, uh, eight thousand seat stadium in downtown. Guess what? Zero parking spots at the stadium. They want people to use public transportation. There's there's parking downtown. You can walk a quarter mile. That's what I grew up in in Boston. Um, and so I think we can. Yes, people in Albuquerque love to park and drive, but we have to also you know, be willing to change some habits to have uh, some nice things too. So I look at those areas as pluses. And I know that was one of the uh, concerns was traffic. And so people are saying, well, if it's downtown, what about the traffic? And I I think that maybe our response to that is, well, we could evolve a little bit into using more public transportation or maybe improving that system or improving the way we use that system that already exists. Again, I don't know how it'll, how it'll affect the traffic. <laughs> I can't forecast that. Um, but I know that that was one of the major concerns. Yeah. I mean, I think on the traffic, again, it, let's just say it was on the Burrell site, just sure. hypothetically. There's probably going to be a couple hundred parking spots at the stadium. There's no reason to drive to the stadium because there's nowhere to park. So uh, people are going to drive up and be like, I can't park here. And they'll figure out I have to park at one of these garages that, by the way, are empty on the weekends. They're full Monday through Friday from eight to five. And then they're empty at night and they're empty on the weekends, which is when we would come in. It's a great asset. of It's an abandoned asset. And now we could actually use those parking garages within a half a mile. There's thousands of parking spots. That's only going to encourage people to use the local restaurants, bars, visit the art gallery, visit the used clothing store, the record shop or whatever other boutique businesses. We have some great entrepreneurs out there that just need some foot traffic uh, for people to see their goods. Are you is there any talk about maybe potentially having a stop with a roadrunner? If it's there, it's 100% going to happen. I mean, there'd be no, uh, of course, you should just, you could park two stations up in a big lot for free. I think it's free. I don't know. But, and then you get on the train and five minutes, 10 minutes later, you know, you, first of all, it'd be a great 10 minute train ride because I've done that. Everyone's in gear, everyone's excited for the game. And if we win, everyone's celebrating. If we lose, everyone's pissed off. And it makes you feel better that the whole train's pissed off. We're pissed off together. We're pissed off together. (laughs) Pissed off united. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's it. Because we're emotionally connected. And and that's the way it works. Everybody's grumpy. Like the silent train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But the train to angry town. That's right. That's right. So, yes, you take the rail runner. You take art. I know art gets beat up a lot. I don't, I, I can't speak to the merits of that project. And I 
that's that's not my that, that's way beyond my pay grade. But I do know that we have these buses that could drop people off within a short mm-hmm. walk. We've got you know like these little bike tuk tuks right would show yeah. up. You know people would, the scooters might come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know again it doesn't kill people to walk a quarter mile. You think about even a UNM when you park in one of the far lots on a really yeah. busy night. It, yeah. it, it's a quarter mile to the to the stadium. No one blinks at that. Well, you know, besides, I don't know, overall traffic increasing in town uh, here anyways. Coming here, I drove Second Street because I live way down in the valley. And man, I, I'm just upset that they put in that stoplight at, at, at Woodward and Second. Like, and, and, but if those are the kind of issues that we say traffic. I think we're doing okay. Yeah, and I also let's let's keep in mind what we're really. I think sometimes we lose the forest through the trees here. Yeah. You know, because they re, people talk about this stadium that happened here and this happened there, and we need to learn. Not not trying to brush it over or just paint a rosy picture. Our games, the stadium we're talking about is about ten thousand people. It's about two thousand cars. Okay, that's assuming we don't have heavy use of public transportation. Mm-hmm. It's not 20,000 cars. It's not an 80,000-seat stadium. When people are going to come down, they're going to be coming down on the weekends when there's very little traffic downtown right yeah. now. It's not coming during rush hour. So I think that when you look at those areas and you start to think about what you're really, really talking about, a few thousand cars coming in from the north, south, east, and west, parking a half a mile away, using the train, using the art, because you know it, it could be a pain to walk there, and using other modes. I don't know that it's going to be a disaster. Is it inconvenient for residents? Absolutely. There, you can't get around that. That would just not, that wouldn't be genuine. But, but it doesn't have to be a disaster. A lot of cities do it at a much larger scale, and it seems to work. So I kind of wanted to circle back a little bit, and I know you sort of touched on this a little earlier, but I kind of wanted to to just kind of circle back a minute. So if the stadium is owned by the city, yet United is legally in ownership of all the profits for, I think, the next 20 years for the agreement, is that what they're saying? The binding letter of intent to 25 years. 25, okay. For the next 25 years, what promises can United make back to the community um, that would be in their best interest? And I'm just talking about the community at large, and you kind of touched on that a little bit, um, but let's talk more specifically. Yeah, I I, um, again, I think that there's this sense that, oh my God, United's going to make a gazillion dollars. So let's just kind of walk through that. United is going to be contributing $10 million to a building we don't own. So that's like you giving the landlord $10 million to build you a home that you rent from them, you know? And so when you start to think about profits, the first 10 million of profits goes to pay back that $10 million. How many years is that going to take? It's not a year. It's not two, four years, five years. If we do a great job, maybe that's, and we made $2 million a year uh, on with a lot of risk, that would be way beyond projections. That's five years to pay that. Then we're paying another $22.5 million of rent. We also get to get over that hurdle rate. Right. The idea that there's this huge basket of money that's going to fall in our lap it's just not right and true we that's if we wanted to maximize profits i would have stayed in finance you know we'd go figure something else out we wanted to be part of what we thought the city wanted people wanted we wanted to be an agent of you know catalyst for some positive change and that meant that we would sacrifice a lot of profits in, in exchange for bringing a lot of good things here. If we're going to bring an NWSL team, that's going to cost tens of millions of dollars. It's going to take another 10 years. So this is not about 
making profits. Again, if we do a good job, eventually, seven, 10, 12 years from now, I bet we could have the stadium be net profitable to us. It's a lot of time, it's a lot of risk. You know, and I think what we've done with the Mexico United, we just continue to do. So if you know our organization, I don't want to tell you all the great jobs we're doing. That's not for me to say. That's for people to decide. I don't think you could say that, oh, I'm doing a great job. We have a foundation. We're out in the community a lot. We give back a lot. I think that um, we have a track record of that. That's not going to change. I would leave that to individuals to decide if that's something that's worthy of their, their uh, attention or not. All right, well, uh, we are at about a halfway point, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's Kurt Fletcher, host of In the Rye Podcast with Kurt Fletcher. I've been a professional stand-up comedian for several years, and I've met a lot of great people throughout my career. So I decided to start a podcast to talk to some of those people and share our stories in the entertainment industry. Go to InTheRyePodcast.com for more information. And we're back. And uh, uh, today we have with us Pete Trebasani. So we are talking stadiums. We are talking logistics. We're talking the financial aspect of what the stadium could mean. So I guess to kind of zero in a little bit more, and I'm sorry to keep kind of beating a dead horse here. <laughs> what kind of programs would be in place for the community if the stadium's built? Are there things maybe focused towards the youth or you had mentioned women's soccer before what kinds of things are you looking at for the future yeah i mean i think it depends if you're so from a programming point of view from the facility the multi-use facility we have a contractual obligation that we we put in the agreement we told the city you don't have to take our word for it within three years of the stadium opening we'll have a professional women's team here that's not just uh, that's great for the programming. That's 50 jobs for primarily women. You know, I mean, you have to be a woman to be on the women's team. A lot of the technical staff. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe we'll make one exception. <laughs> yes. Uh, on you. you heard it here. <laughs> right. That's 50 full-time jobs that, that, that actually are good-paying jobs that just right there for that that so there's going to be programming like that there will i i really believe that this that the facility should be open every single day it shouldn't just be locked up unless there's a game or an event and it should be open to the public so just i look at it like civic plaza right sure. uh, right it's open i can walk through it mm -hmm. occasionally they have a private event that gets fenced in maybe it's ticketed but when that's those when those fences come down it's open to the public, so why don't we do the same thing and let people walk around the stadium, walk your dog around the stadium, sit in the seats, have a cup of coffee, have programming inside the facility that is operating every single day. That's part of my aspiration. I think that's that makes a better use out of, out of the asset. Then there's the second, another level, which is I think going to the community benefits agreement, which is what is the programming that we would do to support that. So again, it depends on where, what area it's in. Obviously if it's out by UNM, that's gonna be a completely different package sure. than Borellis, but there have been things like rent control. Uh, Let's talk specifically Borellis, just because I know that's the one that people are really, really uppity about right now. So if you yeah. don't So first of all, if I was doing this over, <laughs> which I will not be doing uh, one way or the, no matter what happens on, in November, it's really, New Mexico United is a party to it, and we are going to be a party. And if Borellis doesn't want it, and we will work with them to make it happen. Sure. It really needs to be the city and the neighborhood coming together, right? I mean, that's that's where it should should start. And I think that, you know, while there has been some movement, you know, lately, I think for me personally, I just, I don't mind saying, I really wish 
that had happened before there any, was any announcement of a stadium. We had very we didn't have a lot of warning, and and certainly Brellas didn't have any warning. And I think that that you know that would could be considered a. Uh, I like to see a redo on that from the city's point of view. And I don't want to be, do Monday morning quarterbacking, but that's just the reality. There wasn't enough transparency in the beginning. There wasn't an agreement with the team, which we were we've been ready to do for a long time and to, to step up. I will say by waiting, we actually, I think, put a stronger package together for the city. And, and I think that, um, so getting back to the, to the, to the question is that, you know, I think in Borellas, you know, there's things that they want. They want to make sure that there's jobs for the people that live there. They want to make sure that there's, Programming. We talked about an incubator that actually would uh, allow you know some of the younger doesn't have to be younger, but you know some of the younger people to to do internships and be involved in the business side of United, not just the soccer side mm -hmm. of United. So those are some of the areas we've done. How do we make sure that housing doesn't just skyrocket? I don't think it's going to. I don't. That's my personal opinion that I think they already have an issue in Borellas because there are a lot of that's probably an Airbnb issue or, or some other things that I think are way outside of, of our realm. But um, let's control the rents. Let's create jobs for people uh, that, you know, living wage plus jobs that people can walk to. Let's create a platform for artists um, that, that can have spaces to work, spaces to show their work. You know, let's really show up the community in the way the community wants to be shown. And the last thing I just say is we have an obligation, a commitment that I'm so excited about that 100%, 100 of the food will come either from New Mexico or from New Mexican companies. I mean, that's like a no-brainer for me. And sure. I know, and you talk about profits earlier, right. I guarantee you it's more expensive to do that than it is to ship in some cheap cheeseburgers from <laughs> Cincinnati or Buffalo that have been frozen for eight months. But when we have New Mexicans taking care of New Mexicans, that's how we start to trust each other more. That's that's what New Mexico United really wants to do is, is help people gain confidence in each other so that we can progress and be the best that we can be. How's the team been doing? How, how, how <laughs> that's a good question. Because I feel like we're so focused on this one issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an important issue. Like, don't get me wrong. And the timing's important and all that. But, like, COVID happens slash is happening. <laughs> like, we're just kind of getting back into things again. You're, you know, uh, one of the pillars of the community. You're, your team's a pillar of the community. Mm -hmm. how, how's, yeah. how's it been going? Yeah, well, thanks for the question, because I think the team has been my uh, personal therapist, you know, <laughs> and, and my outlet. Um, I'll, I'll be really excited when we're not talking about stadiums anymore. And stadiums? <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Now, now what? No, the, the stadium is important, but that's not why we started the team. And yeah. so we're in the middle of a huge playoff push that has yeah. been, you know, that is in the shadow of this bond. We are in fourth place, so we have a playoff spot. We have three games left. If we win all three, we're 100% guaranteed in the playoffs. But, you know, soccer with ties and uh, the way it is, that that's, uh, that's, that's not something just uh, to be taken for granted. So we have a big game. Um, we had we have uh, probably by the time people are hearing this, we had a it's Wednesday. We have a game in San Antonio. We have another game uh, coming up at RGV, and then and then um, and then we also are in a situation where we've lost two of our star players. Really, um, you know, Devin Sandoval's out for the season now, and so is Amanda Moreno, and and I think that's just that's adversity, and I think this team 
I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs or not, but what I know is that we're going to fight hard with grit. We're always going to build a team that represents New Mexico. This is never going to be a prima donna team. There's never going to be a team that that gives half effort uh, or gets by. This is a team that is always going to be, we're going to demand their best and their best effort without knowing the outcome of those games. Uh, I'm just proud that our team um, is going to fight on, even though we're, we're shorthanded. So... One of the big things we try to do when we're to BBQ is give kind of a man on the street, every 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 man sort of take on on different local, you know, Albuquerque businesses and creatives, entrepreneurs. If there was something that you could tell everybody listening right now, whether it's about the stadium, whether it's about the season, whatever it is, there's no, you know, evil interest here or not. Like, you know, yeah, I think I think we should also just say this again, like we've said it before, but we don't get paid to do this podcast. We don't have our hands in anybody's pockets. This is this is purely because we love Albuquerque and New Mexico, not because we get paid or anything like that. So you can say anything. Um, we have no FCC telling us what to say, what we can't say. <laughs> There's just three of us in a room. That's a podcasting, <laughs> which I love. What, what so. would you want to? What would you want to tell people? You know, I think as it relates to the to the stadium, I, I would just probably just say this is that the city feels dangerous right now. We have a homeless problem. We're coming out of covid. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty and we have to address all those issues. And we we can. And at the same time that we do all those things, we can also build things that are amenities that are nice things to have that build a bridge of hope and show that, you know, we are going to be here for the next 20 years, that we're going to get through the short term you know, problems. And I, and I think all I would just say to people in general is while we can have issues to us that are the most important issues to us personally, we need to be able to do so many things at once. And I think that's how we grow. Uh, it's not one issue is more important than the other. It's all uh, important. And if we want the city to grow, if we want to keep our young people here, we have to create jobs for them. We have to create amenities that are going to attract the companies that are going to create jobs for them. Maybe you like that Netflix is here. Maybe you don't. But Netflix does uh, create jobs and Top Golf creates, you know, it's a fun thing to do. That's how we're going to keep our younger people here and also continue to build a sense of pride. And, and I believe without being a criminologist that when we have these things that build hope, that crime will go down a little bit. Crime is really not just about destitution. It's about homelessness. I don't think anyone's born a criminal. Uh, and I think if we can build more pride in our community, our collect collective pride, then I think that we'll see some of these things like homicide and crime, you know, ebb and homelessness ebb over the years um, as opposed to increase. That's just my opinion. And um, I can't back it up with a bunch of fancy charts. It's just really uh, where my where's, heart where's is. Where's your pie chart? So, yeah, so, so, well, yeah, actually, I, now that you said it, you're the charts, and now there's no charts. <laughs> Only pie, I'm going to pull out some well, apple pie I have left please over. Please do that. Me. That sounds excellent. You live downtown. This, maybe, you know, the APD helicopter will go somewhere else for a while. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's right. I mean, we get so... These issues you have are like right at like what happened today? What happened last night? Yeah. What's going to happen tomorrow? We do live in the moment, but then we got to step back. Where are we going? You know, how do we not become Boulder or Austin or Portland? How do we just become the next best version of ourselves? Yeah. What does that mean collectively? It means that everyone has to give, not just take. And it won't be perfect for anybody because no two people think exactly alike. No two people have 
I think a belief system is like a fingerprint. No two people actually believe the same exact thing. If you go deep enough, eventually you find discord. So we do have to find common ground. And I think that one thing in New Mexico is we love our state. We love our people. We are here for a reason. And um, yeah, I see, I see the Z I've got, people I've got tattoo. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you didn't just put it on there. No, no. It's, it's, Unless no, you it's, want to tell a story. No, I mean, I definitely, I mean, there may have been some drinks involved in a 35th birthday, but <laughs> <laughs> I had decided a while ago I was going to put this on my wrist. And it's funny because when I lived in Portland, I saw one other person with a Zia and we both saw each other and we were like, yep, hands up. There it is. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's that solidarity of being New Mexico. And it's really strong, actually. Yeah. So, but that's great. And I love that pride. Yeah. And while, you know, I don't have a United tattoo on Not me, yet. it Come is, on. I do wear Come it on. in my soul. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of feel like it might be cheesy. Like, I, I, you know, it's like tattooing your name on yourself. I, I think, you know, I, I wear it. Uh, even more openly than a tattoo. So, yeah. so anyways, I would just say at the, for the, from the stadium's point of view, this is supposed to be a fun project. Yeah. And I think it's not a nuclear power plant that we're trying to stick in downtown Albuquerque. Although, you know, we need to be careful that it doesn't do harm. And a hundred percent, it's a huge responsibility. This isn't just a, look at our stadium. Look at me. We got a stadium. Yeah, this is a, a trophy. That's not what it's about. This is about a community asset that is owned by the city, not by an investor. And it's not about developing land. It's about developing people. It's about developing our culture. And so let's go find a place. It's going to go somewhere because we are growing. It is going to happen. We need it. And that's a great thing. We should have a women's team here. We should be attracting NCAA women final four tournaments here. I mean, so it will happen. And let's just go find a place that it can be a happy, celebrated thing and not a, a, a point of division. That's really been hard for me personally. And to be in the in the middle of something that's divisive is something I never wanted to do. And we're really, you know, fight we'll never do again, frankly. Has it been hard just being out in public and having people kind of come at you with these tough questions and, and sort of, you know, maybe assume a lot about you and your character when you say, hey, we want to build a stadium. Here's why. Is, has that been difficult? I mean, I mostly it's really welcome because I do want to hear what people have to say. I'm a lifelong learner. I mean, I'm not I just go with where I believe things should be. Uh, and then I listen to people I'm like, okay, well, I didn't, I understand that. I didn't think about that. I didn't think that there'd be quite so much fear around the stadium. I knew that not everybody would want it. And sure. I thought there would be more excitement around this being a catalyst, but so that, but I need, now that I've heard that, now that I've heard about the issues and I understand the issues, um, that just will make, you know, make this project. I think when it does happen, uh, all that, all that stronger. So, I mean, I'm a citizen in New Mexico. I think the fact that we can talk about something mm -hmm. and disagree is beautiful. Sure. I don't know where, where we're, you know, why we seem to want to be in a place where if we disagree, then I have to hate you. That's what United has been trying to, you know, the whole point of United was that two people who might disagree about everything for 90 minutes can agree that I want my team to win. And maybe we can find a common bridge. So has it been tough in spots? Sure. I mean, there's some nasty stuff and I have feelings too. And I, and I think when people want to pay me in a way that they don't know me, then, you know, that doesn't feel great, but also that's not about me. That's really about them. And I'm just going to keep being who I am. I'm not changing. And, uh, and, you know, people can 
judge me however they feel best to judge me. Sure. Looking at the two paths that the vote could possibly take, um, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> either way, uh, what is your five-year projection for both of the different outcomes? Do you guys have a plan what, depending on which way it goes? Well, I mean, given this year, it's probably going to be a tie, just like all our games. Um, so no ties. No, no ties. <laughs> no. Um, there's so much work to do from here. This is not the end. This is really maybe the end of the beginning. If it's a yes vote or a no vote, it's probably the end of the beginning. And so if it's a yes, there's a huge responsibility to now figure out where is it going to go. Right. United isn't getting behind and putting a single dollar into a stadium that is in a community that doesn't want it. I don't care what the city says. I don't care what association says or this or that. From United's point of view, that's 100%. I can guarantee it because I speak for the team. So... But, you know, we have to find a location. We have to design something that that is, you know, reflective of our community. You know, we have to figure out what all that looks like. I think we need to blend in way more than just soccer. It needs to be a place that interacts. So that's whole, one whole track that's going to be a multi-year process. We're not moving into a stadium tomorrow. It's three, four, five years from now. And if, the, if it's a no, then we'll go down another path. And it just means, for me, I don't think this vote is, do we want a stadium or not do we like united or not i don't think it's about any of those things at all i think it's are we behind the city's plan to own a stadium as they have presented it and that's all that is and so if it's a no i still think most people would like to see a facility and now it's just a matter of you know who owns it and and what it looks like is there anything else that you want to say to the voters regarding taxes or just anything on your mind before we round this up? I know there's a lot. One, I'm sorry that so much of the podcast has been focused on, <laughs> on, you know, on this topic. I understand there is a lot of uh, questions and, and by the way, you know, we're doing our best. We don't get it perfectly right at United and taxes aren't going up. Whether you vote for the bond or not, your GR tax will be exactly the same on Wednesday as it is on Tuesday. Exactly the same. It's just a matter of which projects they go into. And as you can see, there's 140 million of other bonds on the ballot. Some address public safety, some address homelessness, some address affordable housing. They're, they're there every two years and they're going to be there in two years. This is really a once in a generation type vote, just like Isotopes was 20 years ago. And I think I would just say this, when Isotopes, I didn't vote uh, on that particular issue. Uh, I wasn't a resident of Albuquerque at the time, but this is what I would just say is that a lot of people voted no. And if you went back to all those no votes and you looked at them and said, would, would Albuquerque, would New Mexico be better off without Isotopes Park and without the Isotopes 20 years later? Or, you know, would you vote no again? I think a lot of people would said, you know what? I'm glad it passed um, and it really worked and the city got their money back. We have this team here that's so important to the community. So I would just hope that that would be the same thing that 20 years from now we'll say, you know what, I'm really glad I voted yes and gave this a chance because we're better off for it. And if we don't, if we vote no, all it means is that we just don't have it. And our taxes are the same. We lose those jobs. Uh, we, we lose the women's team. And when I say lose, it doesn't mean forever. This isn't, team's not moving. We're not going anywhere, but we're going to have to go do something else. And, uh, and some of those, those aspirations, you know, are going to be, if not put in jeopardy, at, at the very least, you know, delayed.
Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting and talking yeah. with us. I yeah. appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation. There's a lot, a lot of Pete. I didn't. So uh, I know a lot of rambles. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's good. This is I a think, podcast of rambling. It's all yeah. Good. No, I think I think most of the time, a lot of this uh, stuff in the community can be solved with a good old fashioned conversation. So hopefully, some of that information is out there. Um, people can kind of glean what they want from it, and they can think about what they're going to do on November second. That's right. I appreciate everyone listening and being open minded. And I know what some people might be nodding their heads in agreement from some of the things I said, and some people might be saying no, no, no to some of the things I said, and that that's okay. So uh, I'm here. If you reach out to me, uh, you know, on my on Twitter, DM me on Instagram, Facebook, send me an email. It, I'm, I'm happy to try to talk to people one on one or in groups, and uh, that's I think how we need to do it. Yeah, I was going to say the, the last thing, you know, re- reaching out to you. Are there any other resources? you can suggest for people that want to learn more. Yeah, there is a, the website, uh, which is, oh my God, I, I just, now it's my turn to forget, but um, <laughs> there's a, a website. I think it's jobs for New Mexico. Um, I'm embarrassed that I don't have that. You know, we head. can always link it in the show notes. Yeah, Go link it in the, we'll link it in the show. There's FAQs there. There, you know, there's public documents now. There's the agreement we have with the city, which is a legally binding letter of intent. So should the bond pass and certain things happen, United will commit to certain things. And um, and just and then vote the way that you that you feel vote. Don't don't let social media one way or the other tell you, you know, what your opinion is. And also for those United fans that may not vote vote for this stadium, that's okay. That doesn't make you a United fan or not. You know, let's go have a beer or a soda, come to a game, and and let's just, you know, enjoy the games together. That This is by no means shows your commitment or lack of commitment to the to the team. Um, this is something different, and, I, you know, I don't want people to feel that somehow they're not welcome if they decide to vote against the bond. That's, that, that's just not who we are and, and how we do it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Awesome. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Are you looking for a good parenting podcast? (laughs) Parenting versus podcast is not it. But we do hang out. We talk. We have fun. We have conversation. Talk about life. Get into the nitty gritty. And at the end, we even talk about what music we're listening to. It's really cool. Parenting versus podcast is a parenting podcast. Kind of. But not really. It's me and Lindsay talking about what's on our mind. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts at Parenting VS Podcasts. Again, that's Parenting VS Podcast. And we hope that you will find as much joy in the parenting process as we do. Hey, Albuquerque, and thanks for listening to What's Up ABQ, Albuquerque's very own podcast. Every week, Ryan and Lindsay talk to the people who add unique flavor and make a positive impact to our fair city. We help point you to the places you need to see, visit, or patronize, and to do this costs some time and resources. So, without sounding too needy, could you help us out by pitching some funds our way? You can drop some bucks in the tip jar by donating at whatsupabq.com. And if you know about a local business or establishment that should be featured, or you own one yourself, drop us a line at abqwhatsup at gmail.com. Again, the website is whatsupabq.com, and the email is abqwhatsup at gmail.com. We've also got a few sponsorship spots open, so get in touch with us soon to reserve your business's time on the show. What's Up ABQ is produced by Lindsay and Ryan with post-production assistance from me, Paul Nixon, at paulnixonvo.com. 
Make sure and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Tell your friends about us, and thanks for listening.